We, again, started a series uh, several weeks ago called The Heart of Man, and uh, I'll tell you what, this has done me a whole lot of good, because it's really got me to look at some things that I knew about, but I haven't gone into any in-depth on, and uh, it really has made me look at what goes in my heart, what I focus on, what I meditate on, and also the value of putting God's Word in my heart. Even though I knew that, I'm just kind of moving up to another level. And I encourage you, if you haven't listened to these messages a couple of times, you need to. You need to. I mean, we provide every, you've got no excuse, guys. Every way we can do it, we can do it. We put it on the web. You can uh, sign up for our podcast and get it automatically downloaded to your phone or computer. You can order the CDs. We give them away for free. And uh, at least until the day that they don't put CDs in anything anymore, which we're pretty much riding the edge of that right now. I mean, it won't be long. Kids will say, what's a CD? You know, it's like, a what's a record? You know, what's an eight track? You know, something like that. I mean, it's not going to be long, but what's a CD? The fact is that we provide multiple ways for you to get the word of God in your heart. And so it's all on you what you do with it from there. But I'm telling you what, guys, it will do you good. If you listen to it a couple of times and you ask the Lord, show me areas that I need to adjust in my life, and He will. Amen. We're in a constant state of adjustment, (laughs) a constant state of putting ourselves in a position. But let me put it this way. How many believe God doesn't need to change? And He's right all the time, right? He's not the one that needs to change or grow we need to change and grow. And so we're the ones evolving. We're the ones developing, not him. And so we want to absorb all we can. One of our main text scriptures, you don't need to look these up. We're just going to hit them really fast, but was Proverbs 4.23. And the Bible says, keep in guard your heart with all diligence for out of your heart flows the sources of life. In other words, our heart is the key. It is the master control center to our life and it must be highly valued and it must be highly guarded we can't just let anything into our life and at the same time we need to put the right things into us and that is God's word and being obedient to his word listening to the spirit of God doing what we know to do in life Proverbs 23 7 says for as he thinks in his heart so is he or, or as a man thinks in his heart, or a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. So in other words, whatever's going on in our heart is the reality will be expressed in our life. You cannot hide who you really are in your heart. Your heart reveals who you really are. Your heart determines, we learn, the course of your life. De- determines everything about you, who you are, what type of person you are. Jesus told us, as we looked at last week, that the greatest thing we can do in this life is what? Love God with all of our heart. That means all of our heart, nothing left. We said all means all. That means there's no room for anything else. God has to have 100% of our heart for these things to work properly in our life. The problem is, with a lot of Christians... And we all have this challenge is that God doesn't have 100% of our heart. 
He might have a certain percentage, maybe even a large portion, but we leave room for other things. We need to put Him first. We need to put His Word first and give Him all of our heart. All of our desire is focused on Him. He will help fill in the rest of life. You want a better marriage? Listen to me carefully. You want a better marriage or find the right person? Then give God all your heart. You want your finances to improve in your life? Give God all of your heart. You want your life to improve in general in any area? Give God all your heart. Reserve nothing outside of giving Him everything. Jesus told us that if we love Him, we would obey Him. In John 14, 15, in the Amplified, it says, If you really love me, He said, you will keep or obey my commands. If we really love God... We obey Him and His Word. I mentioned last week that God and His Word are one and the same. You cannot separate God from His Word. You can't separate you from your Word, right? I mean, when you say something, who's talking? You! So when you say something, you gave your Word, right? You, your Word is you. That's why, you know, you, you've ever heard the phrase, uh, my Word is my bond, Right? That's not really something we hear too much in our culture anymore. But it should be that way. The, Lord's, the Word of God says, you keep your word to your own hurt. What does that mean? That if you gave your word, you keep it. Even if it stings, even if it hurts, even if it costs you something, you keep your word. Why? You're nothing without your word. You're nothing. If you don't keep, How many of you here would trust me as pastor if I didn't keep my word? If I said we're going to do something and we're going to, let's say, raise money for something and that I don't do it or I move it around on you, you're going to begin to question things. Can we really trust him? Is he really going to do? How many know I've never done that? I never will. I will keep my word. Even if I have to eat it, and I believe it or not, have a couple times. Why? Because I realize, man, I put myself in a hole there, and so I need to fix that. My old pastor... Uh, I'm telling you what, he understood this. And he made a colossal mistake one time. He knew he shouldn't have done it. I'm not going to go into the details. I'm not talking about a personal sin. I'm talking about something in the ministry, allowing something to go. And he just knew it wasn't a bad thing. It just wasn't a God thing. And it was avoiding a few problems. Okay. Well, he decided he would do it, and it was based on money. Everybody say money. Isn't money a powerful motivator sometimes in our life? Don't ever make a decision based on money. Do you hear what I said? Don't. If you ever, ever write anything down, that's it. Never make a decision based on money. Money should never be the motivation in our life. Ever make a decision. But he did in this case. He let others influence him and he allowed it to go. Even though something was telling him, don't. Don't go that route. Don't do that. Even though it sounded good, it looked good, and it ended up being a mess. It ended up causing all kinds of issues and problems. And to get rid of that mess, it literally cost tens of thousands of dollars. Guess what he did? He did not hit the ministry up for it. He went ahead and upped his credit limit on one of his cards and charged the whole thing to himself and paid it for years. And I'm not talking about a little $4,000 thing. I'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars that he just paid off himself. 
I think he recently, it wasn't that long ago, he told me he finally was coming to the end of it. Boy, what a lesson learned. But the reality is, that's why it's important to keep your mouth shut. Free advice here. Shut up and think about what you're going to say. Is the Lord directing me or do I really want to do this before you give your word? You know what I'm saying? Think about it for a moment. And, and then you won't have to be so focused on, man, I shouldn't have said that. But now i got to keep my word. And it's so valuable that we keep our word. Aren't you glad God keeps his word? Every time he keeps his word. Amen. We can count on him. But don't you think the Lord thinks about what he's going to say? <laughs> I'll bet you he does. Now, granted, he's really, really smart. How many would agree? <laughs> God's really, really smart. But he does think about what he's going to say. And then he says it because that's what he wants. That's the direction he wants to go, and he, he will always back it up. But God and his word are one and the same. As I mentioned last week, serving God is inseparable from obeying his word. If you love God, you must love his word. If you value God in your, in your life, you must value his word. I said this last week a different way, but I really felt impressed to say it again. You ought to write this down. Our obedience to God's word, our obedience to God's word reveals our commitment to Christ. Our obedience to God's word reveals our commitment to Christ. That is something we all have to look at in our own heart. Now, we're not going to fool the Lord, but the fact is I'm not, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to look at your life that way. But the reality is you have to decide. How important is God's word in my life? Do I strive to hear it? And do I strive to do it in my life? Am I making effort in that? That reveals your commitment to Christ. And and boy, I tell you, you you can tell the Lord how much you love him all you want. But it really comes down to what do you do with his word? What do you do with his word? My wife doesn't want to hear how much I love her all the time. What does she want? She wants actions behind those words. In other words, I'm showing it. I'm proving it various ways. And then those, those words mean something. But if all I'm ever saying that, but I'm never doing anything to back it up, then the words are kind of meaningless, aren't they? Well, it's the same thing with our commitment to the Lord. It's one thing to say, oh, Lord, we love you. I give you all my heart. You are everything. And then for the rest of the week, we just ignore him and live our own life and don't pay any attention to his word and don't don't focus on it well do we really love the lord that much now i know that's heavy real quick you know boom but we all need to be looking at our life that way because that's what he said he said it not me if you really love me obey my word if you really love me obey my word get in my word and do what it says all right i want you to go with me uh, well look on the screen actually Let's go to Acts chapter 13, and let's begin today. Acts chapter 13, I'm really excited about this, verses 21 through 22. And this is referring to the Old Testament and uh, uh, 1 Samuel. And it says, then the people asked for a king. So in other words, the Israelite people wanted to be like all the other nations of the world, and they asked for a king. And he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. 
He will do everything I want him to do. That's the title of my message today, A Man After God's Own Heart. You know, God gives David here a major compliment. I want you to think about that for a moment. A major compliment. God said about David that he was a man after God's own heart. How many would agree that's a big statement? I mean, he didn't say this person and this person and create a list. What did he say? David was a man after his own heart. Now, have there been other people that have been like David that would have the Lord say that? About? I, I, absolutely, absolutely many. But the fact is, is that David's the one written in the Bible. He's our example here. And I, I think this is, should make quite of an impression on us. But I want you to notice something. Is the verse still up there? Go ahead and bring the verse 22 back up there. It says, Jesse, I mean, it says, David was a man after my own heart. Notice this. A man after my own heart. Whose heart? Who are we talking about? The Lord, right? God's. But it says here, he will do everything I want him to do. What does that mean? Obedient. Everybody say obedience. Obedience. He was obedient to the Lord. Listen to me carefully. You cannot separate obedience to God's word and being a person after God's own heart. The two go together. In fact, the reason King Saul was removed from power was because he disobeyed God's word. He just disregarded. And I encourage you to read that story. It's a really good story. And there's a heavy lesson in there. When you get into about 1 Samuel, uh, probably about chapter 15, you know, 16, um, you can read about how one of the first things King Saul was supposed to do, he messed up. See, God told him to go do some very specific things, and he did part of it and disregarded the rest of it. And the Lord was very specific. Well, God had a real problem with that. See, God likes obedience. God has a reason for everything he does. And it's for our, what? Uh, remember we learned the other day about our own good, Right? Ultimately, it's for our own good. Well, Saul didn't have a heart after the Lord. He didn't have a heart that wanted to serve God above all things, that wanted to follow God instead of man, that wanted to please God instead of people. Saul was a people pleaser. He wanted to look good. He wanted everything to, to be cool and everybody to like him. And see, that's, that's going to be a problem. I mean, if you have an attitude like that and you want to be liked by everyone, it's, that's going to... That's going to be an issue with you and the Lord because you need to be focused on, I want to please the Lord above all things. I want to honor him. I want to love him with my life. And that doesn't mean you go around treating people bad. It just means that I'm not making decisions based on your feelings and your situation. I want to obey the Lord. That's my first primary focus in life. And that's what David's was. Now, the fact is here with all of us today, all those listening to this message, we all have the same potential to hear what David heard about himself. And that we all have the potential to hear that we are men and women after God's own heart. That should be the desire of our heart. Why? Because that pleases God. How many want to please God? We want to please God. We want to honor the Lord with our lives. And so, we want to have that heart that wants to honor God, that wants to live a life that pleases Him. Well, there's a couple of facts, though, 
what I want to do is I want to look at some qualities today of David that I believe we can all apply in our life to help us be um, a person after God's own heart. But I want to look at a couple of things first that have nothing to do with being a person after God's own heart. Because many of us can think, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done in my life. See, I'm immediately disqualified. <laughs> I'm, I mean, you don't know what I did yesterday. You know, you don't know what my thoughts were. I'm, I'm immediately disqualified. Well, let's look at David and his life a little bit before we jump to conclusions here on what a person who's after God's heart really is. All right? Well, first of all, if you're taking notes, God isn't looking for perfect people, all right? God isn't looking for perfect people. David was absolutely not perfect. Many of us know um, some of the major mistakes he made in his life. Most of you are familiar with his committing adultery with Bathsheba, who was married to a man named Uriah, who happened to be a soldier in David's army. And during this situation... David's, uh, during David's affair with Bathsheba, she ends up getting pregnant. Now that's a really sticky position for him, and so he's trying to deal with it. And David tried several ways to find a solution in his difficult situation, all through deception. Okay, All of it was a big deception. None of them worked, though. Now here's the kicker. None of them worked. He could not get any of the plans he had to work with Uriah, do you know why? Because Uriah was too loyal to him. No matter what he would try to do to steer Uriah in a direction that would make him look good and get him out of that situation, Uriah wouldn't do it. And it wasn't because Uriah knew any of the details. He was just too loyal to the king. That had to sting a little bit right there. And you've got to read the story to really absorb that. If you, if you want to, it's in 2 Samuel uh, chapter, uh, chapter 11 is where you can read some of this. But the fact is this. Finally, David's plan to have Uriah killed in the war by having him move to the front where all the action was, it worked. And he had Uriah killed. Basically, murder. So here we have murder, right? We have all these deceptive plannings going on. We have uh, adultery. I mean, think about all the things going on, and David was involved in all of them. So there should be no doubt that David was not a perfect person. How many would agree? He had his faults. He had flesh like the rest of us. He had challenges. I want to make this statement. I want you to all understand it. All under the guise of a person after God's own heart. God is not looking for perfect people. This should make all of you very happy. Aren't you thrilled that God's not going around looking for perfect people? That means we all qualify. All right? Because none of you are perfect. I know I'm not. I know you're not. All right? So none of us are perfect. So guess what? We're all in the running. Amen? That's good news. Now, let's some, let's something else we need to look at. God isn't looking at outward or appearances. God isn't looking at outward appearances. According to Scripture, if you were to study, when they finally found David, when Jesse, I mean, uh, when Jesse lined up all his sons, remember, and Samuel the prophet was going to anoint the new king, uh, well, he was going through all the sons. But it, the Bible says when they finally pulled up David, David was young, 
but he was a handsome-looking young man. He was sharp-looking. And uh, God made it very clear as he was looking at all of his brothers, which I guess all looked pretty sharp, uh, that God doesn't look at the outside like man does. He doesn't look at the outward appearance, but at the heart of someone. We looked at this last week, but let's look at it on the screen. 1 Samuel sixteen seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Now, we've already said this. Your heart reveals what kind of person you are. It reveals your character. It reveals who you really are. Your loyal, where your loyalties lie. What you treasure most in life. In other words, your heart reveals to the Lord what is most important to you. It's all revealed in the heart of man. And that's why God looks at our heart. He sees potential man wouldn't see. He can see things that we can't see. And when we, we look at the outward appearance, it's not just talking about good-looking people. Okay, And what I mean is there are people in life that... Uh, in, in the world standards, we would consider very pretty to look at. Okay? They've they're, they got nice features and they just look good. All right? But the reality is, it isn't just about that. It's about sometimes when we say outward appearance, it could be anything outward. It could be education, it could be background, it could be how, where we were raised, or who raised us, or who we know. God isn't impressed by any of those things. He is zooming in on your heart, the real you. He's not concerned about all those things. How do I know that? Scripture after Scripture in the Bible um, shares with us how God didn't pick the people that the world thought He would pick. He picked Moses. Now think about Moses' story all the way from the beginning. He was a slave. He was supposed to be killed. Think about Joseph. Joseph was what? Remember, thrown out by his brothers and should have and, and they were talking about getting him killed. And one of his brothers saved his life, said, Don't worry, we won't kill him. We'll just sell him as a slave. That's better. You know? A little bit, maybe. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, who needs enemies when you got brothers and sisters like that, you know? I mean, but what I'm saying is when you look at the Bible, it seems like God picks, in a lot of cases, what the world would, be, would, would not pick. If you were, the Bible says if you were to look at Jesus, you would not see Him as the Son of God. You wouldn't look at Him saying, wow, this is the one who came from glory. He's the one who created everything in human form. You wouldn't appreciate it that way. The fact is, is that in many cases, God seems to pick the thing that the world would thumb off and just say, nah, that ain't going to work. Let's go with this person. He picks them. Why? He looks at the heart. He sees something that others cannot see. Again, the heart reveals who we are. And so this morning, I want to look at four qualities of David that we can apply to our own life or to help us um, toward becoming the Christian that is a Christian after God's own heart. Amen? So I'm going to give you four points this morning. Um, Number one, David loved the Word of God. David loved the Word of God. 
Psalm 119, verse 97 in the New King James says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And just to clarify, in the Old Testament, the Word of God was known as the law or the law of God or the laws of God. We call it the Word of God because we're not under the law. But what he's saying is, oh, how I love your Word. Okay? Oh, how I love God's Word. It is my meditation all the day. Everybody say love. Now, when we say Oh man, you got to go to this pizza place. I love their, and you name the particular pizza. What does that say? That says what? You highly value that. You really enjoy that. It means a lot to you, right? It's something you're worth to, in your mind, you would say, I would drive out of my way to get that because I really love that, okay? Now we use that term in all culture very loosely, don't we? We love everything. I mean, you know, I love this, I love this, I love my wife. And I'm putting my wife in the same level as pizza. I mean, you know, but what I'm trying to say is we don't really mean that, okay? We mean that, you know, I like this, I really enjoy this. We just use the word love. But here, when David says, oh, how I love your law, how I love your word, what he's saying is, your word is so important to me. Your word is something I value. Your word is something I treasure. It means a lot to me. In other words, the thing we love the most directs and leads our choices in life. David made God's word important in his life. I want everybody to listen. David made God's word important. Let me say it again. David made God's word important in his life. We need to make God's word important in our life. The main thing in our life. The thing we focus on. The thing we live for is his word. The thing that we desire is his word. And see, David made that decision. He made God's word important. He made time for God's word. He lived in obedience to God's word. He lived his life around God's word. The same verse, Psalm 119.97, in the New Living says this, and I like this. It says, Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. I love your instructions. God's word is our instructions for life. And that's how David saw it. I want your word in my life. I want to, I want to understand your word. I, I need revelation of your word. I need to walk in your word. Why? Because he understood the value of knowing God's word and walking in it. You see, he connected the two. He knew life isn't worth living without it. It's not going to be what it's supposed to be. And in many of our lives, we take such a casual thought about the word sometimes. Or when we're outside church, we don't treat it like it should be treated. Why? Well, the devil doesn't want you to treat it that way. Because if you start getting real serious about the Word and making your decisions in life by the Word and acting on the Word, things are going to change in your life. And the devil doesn't want that in your life. What does he want to do the minute you walk out these doors? He wants you right back into the cares of life. 
He wants you focused on everything but the Word. And what he does is he places value and importance on things to such a degree that we let it go. Because after all, I would be irresponsible to not do this and spend time in the Word. See, what we value the most is the thing that we ought to be placing at the highest position in our life. David did that. Everybody say it with me. David loved the Word. Okay, number two. Like it, but not exactly. David lived the Word of God. David loved the Word of God, number one, but David lived the Word of God, number two. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have hidden your Word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to make a point with this scripture. Look closely, everybody. I have hidden your word in my heart. Is the word hidden implying action? Right? He's doing something, right? Why is he doing it? So he won't take another action that I might not sin against you. Remember, what is sin? Sin is disobedience. Sin is not doing what pleases the Lord. Okay, Doing the opposite. He saw the value of living the Word of God, of taking the Word of God, putting it in his heart, and that would help him live a life that pleased God. So he didn't just love the Word of God as admire the Word of God. There's a lot of Christians, listen carefully, there's a lot of Christians that admire the Word of God. There's a big difference between admiring and doing the Word of God. That's why God's Word is so clear on that. Jesus made it very clear several times. He said, those that receive my Word, that hear my Word and do it, will what? Not only will they weather the storm, but they'll be the better for it. They'll be able to handle what comes in life. What he's saying is the doers are the ones that are blessed. The doers are the ones that see things work in their life. But he said those that just hear the word are what? Those are those who would admire it. Oh, that was, I mean, I love it. Listen to me carefully. I want everybody listening. I love it when someone comes up to me and says, Pastor, that was a great message. You know, that was really good. But you know what blesses me more? When someone comes up to me excited saying, Pastor, I did it and it worked. I saw it work in my life. And I hear that occasionally. I hear a testimony of, I did this and I acted and it worked. That is a thrill to me. Why? Because it's wonderful that someone enjoyed the message, but that message isn't going to change their life until what? They do something with the message, right? Knowing something about something is wonderful. But you know what the Bible says about knowledge? It says knowledge puffs up. You ever meet somebody who knew a lot and they just think they're better than everybody else? But see, knowledge isn't necessarily doing anything with it. I know people that know far more about the Bible than I do. I mean, I know I know, I knew a man one time that could quote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, word for word. But his life was such a colossal mess. I mean, in every area. His wife's stepping out on him. He doesn't know what to do. So he decides, well, maybe I'll step out with her and we'll go dancing and do these different things, you know, and drink, and maybe that'll help draw her back. 
You know, that's stupid. I mean, right? I mean, come on. My point is, is that having a lot of knowledge about it isn't helpful. I'd rather have a little knowledge but do something with it. And that'll change my life. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to you. See, David understood that. David lived the Word of God. When he saw the Word of God, he said, Oh, oh, got to change my lifestyle. I got to watch my attitude. I got to keep my tongue. He didn't say, You know, I don't like that page. Next. In our church world, that's what they do. If it bothers someone, they just avoid it. Because after all, we don't want to offend anybody. As you have seen, I'm not too concerned about that. Now, if you get offended, is it because of me or is it because of the word? I, all I did was give you the word, right? And if I gave you the word, Jesus said, they'll be offended for the word's sake. In other words, he's saying, they're not mad at you, son. They were mad at me long before you came along. In other words, the fact is, is that everybody say it with me. I love the word and I'm a doer of the word. In other words, we need to embrace the Word in our life. It's, you've heard me say it. I'd rather you read just a few verses and apply them in your life. Get them inside you instead of just saying, well, I read four chapters today. Well, whoop-de-ding-dong. You know? I ate cereal. We're even. I mean... <laughs> What good does that do you? You know what I mean? I mean, if you're not doing anything with your life, you know, that's, that's not helpful. Amen? Listen, David knew the value of filling his heart and mind with the Word of God. He knew God's Word was filled with life, and that life, again, could help him live a life that pleased God and that avoided sin. And Listen to me. David knew this. Now, everybody listening. He knew he needed all the help he could get. How many would agree? I need all the help I can get. The Word is there for you. The Word is there for you to help you in life. David, as I mentioned, didn't just admire the book. This person, David, here acted on the Word. He on purpose looked to the Word so that he could avoid sinning against God by disobedience, meaning he didn't want to disobey God. So what he did was he took God's Word, fed it to himself to help him avoid sin and do what's right. To live what you would consider a righteous life. What does that mean? Live rightly. Do rightly. Right? Do what pleases God. Honor God with your life. David took the time to memorize the Word of God. To meditate on the Word of God. You've heard me say this, but what does meditate mean? In the Bible, the word meditate means to say something over and over and over to oneself. Out loud, but just kind of quietly. Like you're focused on it. So, for example, if I were to, to meditate on Philippians 4.13, I might just sit there myself. A lot of times what I do is I just lay down, you know, and I'll just sit there and I'll memorize the Scripture, and I'll just say it to myself over and over and over, and maybe make a confession. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everything I do, I can do in the name of Jesus through Christ who strengthens me. And I'll begin to confess it and over and over. What am I doing? I'm feeding my spirit. I'm, I'm hi Listen to me carefully. I'm hiding the word of God in my heart. And what's happening is it's stored up in there. It's storing in there. And when I need it, it'll be there. 
when I need it, when, when it needs to come out my mouth to solve a situation or fix a situation in my life. See, how is God, listen to me carefully. It is so important that we put the Word of God. Can, can you make a withdrawal out of the bank if you didn't deposit anything? Yet we want to make withdrawals out of our spirit when there's nothing there. And you wonder why you feel so spiritually weak. You are! I mean, you, you are spiritually anemic. I mean, you're weak. And it's simply because you're not feeding yourself consistently. If you'll feed yourself consistently, you listen to me, if you know God's Word, you know Him. And what did He say? We'd do great exploits, man. We'd be ready to go when God called upon us. We are ready for the challenge. We're, in fact, we're saying, come on, challenge, bring it on. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm ready to fight. Why? Because I want to walk by faith. I want to see God be glorified in my life. Amen? So we need to hide God's word in our heart. Let's look at Psalm 1, 1 through 3 in the Amplified. This just blows it up for us. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Look how it starts. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Now let's stop right there. Let's read that part again because I like it. You ready? Everybody read it with me. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable. Now let's try that again because I heard part of you. Ready? Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable. One more time. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, enviable. How many want to be that person? That's me, okay? I want that in my life. That, isn't that what you want in life? Amen? Now this is God talking, right? He's saying this is how you're going to do it. All right, We have to follow the instructions, though, in his word. So blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the person, is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly. So we're not listening to the world, following their advice, their plans and purposes, nor stand submissive and inactive. In other words, we're not hanging around a bunch of garbage all the time in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where people are mocking the gospel, people are picking on things, where the scornful and the mockers gather. But look what it says. This is where we can be found. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord. In other words, what is this saying? Our desire and delight is in his word. And in his word, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually, habitually, does habitually mean occasionally? Habitually means what? I can't stop. I got a habit for me. I'm doing it all the time. He habitually meditates ponders and studies by day and by night and then look at verse three and because he did that he shall be a, like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water ready to bring forth its fruit in its season its leaf also shall not fade or wither and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity everybody say that's me but you got to do your part don't you You've got to be a doer of the Word. You've got to love the Word. You've got to not only love the Word, you live the Word of God in your life. And that's what the Bible says about you. In the New Testament, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 in the New Living, says all Scripture. Everybody say all Scripture. Now what do we learn about that word all? It means what? All. So all Scripture okay, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, 
and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it. Uses what? God uses the Word to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Does God have good works for us? Amen. Say it with me. Say, God has good works for me to do. All right? He's got good works in life for you. Not, not bad works, not works that don't matter. Good works. Amen? Good things to help people, to help your family, to be a blessing, to reach people, to love people. And He wants to give you the power to do it, but the power to do it comes from what? His Word. His Word prepares and equips us. I was thinking about in the Word where it talks about in Proverbs that God corrects the son he loves aren't you glad he loves you aren't you glad you know one of the most wonderful things in all my years of being involved in church like we're at and the years i came from is honestly i looked forward to correction i looked forward to coming in on sunday morning and have the lord deal with me in my life first of all that tells me he knows me he knows me and the preacher has no idea what's going on in my life That's the best way. Because then when you're here and the Lord deals with your heart about something, you say, dear Lord. I mean, that had to be the Holy Ghost. That had to be God working in my life. And He loves me. Amen? He didn't just say, ah, and abandon us and leave us to ourselves. No, He corrects those He loves. Amen? I get corrected a lot. He must love me a whole lot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I feel like sometimes I'm always tripping on something and he's correcting me. But he loves me. He's not. Now, what does he do? He doesn't say, son, you made your mess. Now you get up and fix it. No, what does he do? He reaches out. Come on, let's go. And he picks me up and he says, let's keep on going. Amen. He loves me. Man, I tell you what, that makes me want to love God and his word even more. He's so good to me. He never picks on me. He's always there for me. Even when I screw up and I tell him, Lord, I did it all. On purpose I messed up. Because let's not play games with it. I chose to do blankety blank, 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 or say blankety blank. And I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. Lord, I messed up. I really screwed up. I am so sorry. I'm not going to say I didn't want to do that because obviously I did. I did it. Let's not play games. But see, he always receives me with arms wide open. What he's looking at is my heart. Amen? Remember that the Bible talks about a broken spirit, a contrite spirit. What is he saying? It's a repentant heart. I want to do right. And see, the Bible says that we go back to God because of his goodness. He's so good that I'm drawn back to Him. He never picks on me. He never says, I told you so. He never, he never does any of the kind of stuff sometimes we hear parents do or other people do in, in their lives. He's always encouraging. He's always helping. Amen. He is so good to us. Praise God. Listen. All right. So, number one, David loves God's Word. Number two, David lived God's Word. Number three, David was humble. Everybody say humble. All right? David was humble. Even though David had been anointed king, and he was anointed, guys, at a very young age. I mean, he could have been just a you know, teenager. I mean, very young. 
he had been anointed king, he didn't let it go to his head. Even though he knew God had anointed him and called him, he still continued to obey his father Jesse. He still continued to tend the sheep and do what his dad told him to do. He just went back to normal life. He saw the value in knowing who he was and who God was in his life. See, he didn't get a big head over it. It was years, years until he finally sat on the throne as king. In other words, it took a long time. And boy, he had a hard road. If you remember, King Saul wasn't too happy about the idea about David in his life. And he chased him down, tried to kill him multiple times. I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, but see, through it all, David knew who he was. He understood and respected authority. He knew his God. Remember when David had the opportunity to harm Saul, remember? Saul was out chasing him one time, and he had the opportunity to take Saul out. He would not touch him. And there's one time he touched him. Remember, he ripped a little part of his thing. He had a meltdown before God and repented before a a man who was trying to kill him. Why? Because he touched God's anointed. He understood authority. He, under, he was humble. He understood his position. And he understood and trusted in God Almighty. He didn't put his confidence and trust in himself. He looked to God and it ate his lunch when he did that. That tells you something great about David's heart. He, had, he was quick to repent, quick to adjust. That's another factor we didn't get into. The fact is is that David knew who he was and never lost sight of who God was in his life. He never acted superior or acted like he was something that he was not. And even when he did sin and it was brought to his attention, he didn't make excuses. He immediately got before God. He, in other words, he took ownership of what he did you know, when it was finally brought to him. And we didn't get into that. But we need to understand that some of his character that helps us You and I as believers must remember that we are here to serve. No matter how much God might exalt us in this life, we are here to serve. Jesus said He didn't come to be served, but to serve. In fact, we're told in Philippians, this needs to be our attitude. Look with me, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-8 through in the New Living says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So you and I are to have this attitude. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, a hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. For something he didn't even do. I want you to think about what Jesus did. Jesus never pointed to himself. He never said it's all about me. And then that was the only issue. The only reason he ever pointed to himself at all. Was to point people where? To the Father. He said I'm the way. The truth. The life. That's the only reason he would ever point to himself. But he never said I'm God. Worship me. You know. I'm tired of this running around in these rags. Let's change a few things. Castle, I want that. You know, I mean, he didn't do any of that, did he? No, all he did was give his life. In fact, he shied away from attention that would take away from God's plan. 
anything that would draw attention to him and not God's plan, that's why many times he told people who got healed supernaturally, just go to the priest, keep quiet about it. Why? He didn't want to misdirect attention to himself that would mess up the plan of God. I'm telling you guys, Jesus was the ultimate person that we should look to, and we ought to have that same attitude in us, amen? That's the attitude David had. It wasn't about him, it was about God's plan, amen? Number four, David trusted the Lord. David trusted the Lord. David didn't just talk about trusting in God. There's a lot of people I know who do that. He had a living confidence in God and his word. One of the greatest Bible stories is the story of David and Goliath. Does anybody not know that story in the room? All right. All of us know that story. You don't even have to be raised in church and most people would know that story. It's one of the amazing stories in the Bible. Goliath being a giant among men, a skilled warrior. He had experienced many victories on the battlefield. And when he challenged the Israelite soldiers to fight, there were no takers. But when David came from his father's house and heard what Goliath was saying, defying the armies of God, he took Goliath's challenge. Now his oldest brother thought it was a matter of pride on David's part. But see, David, listen to me carefully, his confidence was not in himself, it was in God. He knew God would deliver him. He had a covenant with God. He Remember, he loved God's word and he lived God's word. Amen. He didn't just talk about trusting God, he trusted God and gave God his life. Well, the fact is, Goliath is like a type and shadow of our real enemy, Satan. Jesus defeated Satan, and now Satan is a defeated foe. However, we're told in Scripture, listen carefully, to be alert, to be aware that our enemy prowls around looking for someone to devour, and Satan preys on the weak. The weak are those who lack knowledge of God's Word or those who choose to ignore the value of God's Word. There are many Christians sitting in church right now all over the country, all over the world, so to speak, on a daily basis that are hearing the Word of God but do not value the Word of God. God's Word will give us confidence in God. It's called faith. Where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing the word, getting that word down inside you. And it will help us to see, listen to me carefully, it will help us to see our enemy in the light and not in the dark. And what I mean by that is, how many of you know we do have an enemy, but he's a toothless (laughs) barking lion? He's a clawless, right? That's seeing our enemy in the light. But there are many Christians who see our enemy in the dark. They don't know the truth. They don't understand what Jesus did because they don't value and know his word. But if you know his word and you're applying it in your life, you know who your enemy is and you know who God is. You see, listen to me carefully. If we put our confidence in God and his word, no enemies will be able to stand against us just like Goliath could not successfully stand against David. Romans 8.31 tells us, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Say it with me. If God is for us, who can be against us? But see, you've got to have that word deep in your heart. You have to hide that word. You have to eat it. You have to consume it, and it's part of your life. 
And then when the enemy comes, it will come out of you when you need it. Amen? If we're to defeat our enemy on every turn, we must, like David before us, place our trust and confidence in God and not ourselves. And there's only one way to get there, and that's through loving and living His Word. Amen? So again, our four things were regarding David's qualities. Number one, David loved the Word of God. Number two, David lived the Word of God. Number three, David was humble. And number four, David trusted the Lord. These are all examples of David. And we can be a people after God's own heart if we apply these things in our life. Amen? My point this morning is this through the Word of God, is that these are characteristics we can apply. Amen? Everybody in here wants to be a person after God's own heart, right? Raise your hand if you do. Amen? We all do. We all want to be a person after God's own heart. We want to be the person that God chooses to use when He needs to. Here am I, Lord. I'm ready. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Amen? Everybody say that with me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Amen? But you've got to be prepared. You've got to be equipped. And how does that happen? Through His Word. Amen? Say, I love the Word. I live the Word. Amen? I trust the Lord. I know who I am, and I know who the Lord is. Amen? Amen. When you know that, there's no foe that can stand before you. No challenge in life. No difficulty can stand before you because you know who you are. And you stand your ground in the Word of God and just chase after that giant till you plow him down. Amen? Amen? It's just like David will say, this Goliath is going down just like the lion and the bear. Amen? God is faithful. He's behind me. He's with me. He, never, he said he would never leave me and he would never forsake me. I am not alone. No matter what it seems like. That's what I'm saying. It seems like sometimes we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. It seems dark. All you know what I'm talking about, right? We go through seasons in our life that seem hard, that seem dark. But stand strong and know the Lord's with me. He's got me. He's not letting go. You just got to do your part and not let go. How do you let go? By backing off from the things of God. By not being on fire like you were. By not getting into His Word. By not, you know, by not pursuing Him like you were. That's how you kind of let go. He's still doing what He can. But you know what? If you let go and run away from Him, what is He going to do? Right? I mean, that's why we want our children when they were little to obey us. Hey, we're going to go across the street. You don't let go of my hand. Right? Why? Well, it wasn't because we didn't trust them. It's because they're not as tall as the hood of the truck coming. You know, <laughs> they can't see the danger that is out there. How many know God sees everything in our life? Thank God he puts guards and borders in our life. Thank God he doesn't just let us go loose and wild nuts. Why? Because we'd have a lot more tragedy in our life. He keeps us, he's, he's, he's almost given us guardrails, so to speak, to keep us in line. Amen? That's why it's good to walk in His ways. Amen?